Welcome to our very first episode of Gateway Geek, a podcast for those who wonder what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. Today we take a look into the geek, geek community, and popular areas of geekdom. We are here today with Tony Faith and Matt Goad from 30-something Digital. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hello. And Pete Mazzoli from the as-yet-unnamed but soon-to-be Cosplay Armor and Props Emporium. It's true. <laughs> it's called the Pete, okay? The right, Pete? It's called the Pete, okay? Okay. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out, having a chat. Absolutely. Um, presumably, our listeners are geek curious, is what I'm calling it. Um, hopefully, they're all newbies to the realms of geekdom, and we have been tasked to uh, guide them through the various puddles and pitfalls in our world. It's very dangerous. No pressure. <laughs> right, yeah, no, no pressure. <laughs> the very dangerous world you live as a geek. Even that little intro presupposes something, though, that we should sort of straighten out here at the beginning, which is, what is a geek? Is that a question for the panel? That is a question for the panel. I'll, I'll go ahead and start it off. I don't mind. Um, no, a geek to me, at least my opinion on the definition of a geek, is someone who's just really enthusiastic about something. Because like, I don't think geeks have to be enthusiastic about sci-fi or fantasy as is commonly thought. I think you can be a Broadway musical geek. I think you can be a sports geek. I think, I think being a geek is just you know geeking out about something being super you know a fan geeky yeah being super geeky i think i think sci-fi geeks definitely like hold the mantle for well we've set the bar pretty high for exactly what it is to geek out so i think star trek did that man i think star trek as as a as a fandom kind of made geekdom a thing well and i mean you know star trek conventions at least have been around long enough for them to you know for a star trek convention to be almost like a stereotypical environment well and i think star trek conventions specifically kind of were precursors to all the other conventions that we have on that note does there need to be a convention for it to be considered something you geek out about what if what you're geeking out about is kind of unknown still no i don't i don't know i don't think you have to have a convention and but I also don't think that cons as we know them, like Dragon Con and Comic Con, are are like the bar for for conventions. Because, I mean, one could easily argue that like the Super Bowl is the, like the Dragon Con of football, you know? Mm-hmm. There's lots <laughs> yeah, of cosplay. Yeah, I, I that. love that. There is lots, lots of cosplay. cosplay. People dress up. They, they go as their favorite character with the numbers on them and stuff like that. The costumes are kind of bad mm. sometimes. Some people yeah, you just wouldn't be in that costume. Don't hate on costumes right. made at home. <laughs> right? Sometimes they look really homemade, <laughs> but that's fine. Like, there's that's still totally. A lot of love no, I, there. I think we, do, we, we should. We hey, should touch and just like point. Dragon Con, the food is really overpriced. Yep. Greasy. The tickets get more expensive each year. Yep. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. I, I like y'all's definition, don't get me wrong, but do you think when when people have gotten more excited and more aware of the geek, if you will, do you think they're thinking sci-fi fantasy? Well, yeah, definitely. I think um I think the the I think the inherent kind of weirdness to the general public of something like a Star Trek convention back when that was first, you know, beginning or even like Dragon Con or Comic-Con when they were first starting. Um that you know you weren't a fan of sci-fi or or fantasy in the beginning cuz fans were reserved for being like a sports fan or you were a you know something like that so they were geeks because they were a fan of something but it wasn't a fan of something that made sense to most people so they were kind of like they're weird you know fantasy geeks or 
What are rings geeks or something? I, I'll say this, Jess, about the word geek itself. Um, I originally, and I won't say I know the actual origin of the word, but the, originally the way it was portrayed to me, especially through like school and things like that, is you were a geek. It was used as a negative term that then later became embraced. And, you know, there was like a pride behind being called a geek instead of, you know, but originally it was like you didn't want to be labeled a geek because then you would be ostracized and you would be kind of, you know, you know, outside of, you know, the, the normal. Actually, Wikipedia, I have some some like official definitions or whatever. Lay some so, definition on us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dictionary definition. Uh, there's two of them. A person who is socially awkward and unpopular usually intelligent person who does not fit in with other people. And then number two, a person who is very interested in and knows a lot about a particular field or activity. Yeah, that second um, one. That second one, yeah. That first mm. one is just blatantly offensive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. the first one deals in cliches. The first one is, it, it, there are definitely, and even going to cons, I run into those people all the time where it's like, and you, you, you kind of have to be patient with them because they don't, get out much outside of this one niche like you know if you don't like a lot of different things but just one thing yeah you might become a little socially awkward when you know standing in a line and just talking to somebody because you only have like one thing you can focus on and you're really severe about it mm-hmm. yeah i can see that the wikipedia just to round this out because it, it speaks exactly to what you were saying tony a slang term originally used to describe eccentric or non-mainstream people in current use, the word typically connotes an expert or enthusiast or a person obsessed with a hobby or intellectual pursuit with a general pejorative meaning, so it's still negative, right. um, of a peculiar person, especially one who is perceived to be overly intellectual, unfashionable, or socially awkward. And I've got to admit, when I started reading through all of this, I thought, wow, that's mad. That's just, that's mad oh. all over. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, I we just dropped out. <laughs> Did he drop out of the chat? He dropped out. He's of coming the chat. back. He's coming back. <laughs> Sorry, that totally seems like I just stormed out of the room, and that is not at all. It did. What just no, that did was you just exactly rage quit. You, you digitally stormed out of the room. That was amazing. Oh, that was great. Oh, um, so so just one thing about that definition I find interesting is is when it says um, it's it's not mainstream. Is I think the reason or part of the reason that the word now has like a sense of pride behind it is that geeks have become mainstream i mean there's obviously money and geekdom with all the different movies that come out yeah, and things someone like that. realized they could sell things to us and, and, and that, that we you would know, spend our we stay at home on. you know obviously so we must have the money to buy those things right right, right. Some people are criticized for posing as geeks without a serious interest in something or any kind of in-depth knowledge about something. Um, I was reading an article that Patton Oswalt wrote for Wired um, where he criticized geek culture for being too mainstream, too shareable, about as deep as a puddle, and quickly becoming a copy of a copy. And I'm very much paraphrasing. I'll post a link, you right. know, so that people can read it for themselves. No, but... I don't. I, I would want to read this article that you're. I'd want to read this article that you're mentioning, and I want. I want to preface with. I love Patton Oswalt. Like mm. I really like that guy a lot. I don't yeah. know that I agree with with what you're saying that he said. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't necessarily think that it's it shouldn't be shareable and embraced. I mean, I know geekdom going mainstream kind of takes away from what made it so special and precious to all of us geeks, which is basically where he goes. Like he he kind of talks about his memories growing up 
liking the things that nobody else liked. And not only that, but you didn't have this constant access that you have now through the internet. And so that's what I mean by shareable is it's, it's really easy to catch up on TV shows. It's really easy to, you know, do your research on the net and suddenly you've got this very shallow knowledge of something you can, you, you, you know, but if you do enough research, is it still shallow or is it just shallow because it took you two hours instead of, you know, two years? that well and that to me that's kind of what he's saying but here's the thing i i think that's partly what makes it so enjoyable for me i mean how many times have we brought someone new to dragon con knowing they have no knowledge of what a con is going to be like we're just going to immerse them in it or, for four or we days. bring them and we know they like that one thing we know they like right. that one book series or that one tv show and they go and their eyes open up to all this 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 whole new world but then to follow up them. on that, that that's going to a con but now once they come back then they come back home now there are all these outlets that they can go explore these things they missed. And I, I feel great right. about that. I mean, digital comics are a great way for me to catch up on like 60 years of Spider-Man that I couldn't read because I wasn't born yet. Yeah. I think the, the attitude that you're talking about is a little curmudgeon for my taste. Like I'm, I'm a big <laughs> yeah, fan a of, of things being accessible. Like I go back to that and you may, we're going to bring this up, but I go, I go to that that fake geek girl argument. And I hate that. I hate that so much because here's the thing, like you don't have to have immense intricate knowledge of a series or a TV show or whatever to be a fan. Like you may just like the way some character looks and you want to make that costume or you Mm -hmm. may, you may like star Wars, but you've only seen the movies and you don't really care about reading any of the books or playing the games. That doesn't make you less of a fan or less of a geek to me. I think there's definitely, definitely like levels of geekdom and people sometimes go mm. all the way in, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think being like a casual fan makes you not a fan or not. There a has geek. become a status. So if the more you see and the more you watch it, just like with anything, I mean, even with a sport with sports fans, there are the sports fans and then there's the right. real sports yeah. fans. It's, I think that's human nature is we start to compare ourselves to everyone else, even those like us so that we can see ourselves as better. And so there is a status of, well, I know all of this information off the top of my head. Or I've okay, been okay. watching this from X amount of time, you know. Okay, things, yeah. Well, I'm to just draw saying on your it exists. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, I and, definitely and, see where it exists. And I, I don't think, think it makes any of us any less geek, though. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. We're we're not. You're not less for your lack of knowledge. And I think that attitude is why some people won't get into something or won't admit they're into something because yes, yes. not just because they're going to be ostracized for being a geek. But now because they're going to the feel like they're are, not enough. Yeah. The geeks are going right. to get onto them for not putting enough uh, effort in. And I mean, that exists. I mean, it exists in everything, but in the, geek, you know, the, the classic geek worlds, your sci-fi, your fantasy, your video games, your comic books. I mean, all of that, even, even your tabletop games, you know, some of, you know, some of the more like elaborate ones like magic and stuff where you're not into it unless you're into it at X level. And I mean, that requires commitment and time and well, yeah, not and you just can only a do passion. S- yeah, you can mm-hmm. only do so much. I mean, not not every World of Warcraft player is a dedicated hardcore raider that spends, you know, 8 hours a week doing raids. And not every, right. you know, not every fan of Star Wars has read every single novel that's that's in existence. Not every fan of 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 any show, not every fan of Doctor Who has watched all the originals from back in the 50s. I mean, it's right. you know, yeah. or but, knows but their flip release it around, There's nothing wrong with feeling good about having done that. It's just when you start yes. to measure yourself as superior to those who haven't that's when I feel like it's see it, it's that's, taken a, a negative route. That's that's like that for me. Okay, geeks, yes, but some geeks are jerks. Oh, right, but you could argue jerks. that in anything. It doesn't. It doesn't make 
it doesn't make any of the rest of us less geeks, but some geeks are jerks. <laughs> that was something else I was going to ask is, you know, again, hopefully people who are new to geekdom or interested in that one thing, kind of like you guys were talking about, um, and they want to they want to be introduced to more. Mm-hmm. They're the ones listening to this. And, and okay, yeah. um, I had forgotten, I, I was going through some of my old files today where I originally tried to start this podcast and I was listening to um, one of the old podcasts that I did with Denise. And I told her a story in that podcast that I had completely forgotten about. And it was all about me going into a local comic shop after a job interview. And so I was kind of, you know, looking nice. I had my mm-hmm. more businessy laptop bag with me and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and the guy behind the counter just sort of looked at me really odd. He wasn't rude by any means, but he looked at me like, are you sure you're in the right place? Can I, you know, and he kind of had that hesitation in his voice and he's like, can I help you? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to head back to the Geek Easy. They had this great area, you know, where you can go back, get some food, get a drink, sit around on your computer or whatever. And he was like, oh, oh okay sure and so I went back there and the guy behind the bar um kind of did the same thing like I sat there for a second looking at the menu and he looked at me and was like can I can I help you I'm like yeah I'd kind of like a beer and um yeah I'm just gonna sit here and I think you know at that point Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had just come on so nice I, I acknowledged you know that I knew something about that or whatever and like eventually I said enough that apparently, apparently my my appearance Did was not saying like for me. Did you feel like you had to prove yourself to be there? It wasn't really prove myself, but it was. But, but you were definitely. I, I don't usually looks like. Yeah, there's a, I don't but get there's that a reaction. norm. I mean, especially when you're talking your place of business, there's got to be a norm of the the crowd they see come in. It, it's like if you walked walked into a hipster cafe and you were in you know like flannel. They might look at you like you walked in the wrong place. They're not going to not. Well, I don't know. Can we do that? Actually, that's the opposite. That if you is walked hipster. into a hipster place with flannel, then they'd be like, you're one of us. One of us. Well, Matt, you would know, but. Oh. I resemble that remark. <laughs> Tell Jason we said, hey. I don't know, but oh, you see what I'm getting at. It's like, the, this is more just my experience working in customer service is I, I get used to a certain crowd. And when somebody different came in, yeah, I'd kind of have like double take. Like, oh, that doesn't look like someone who comes mm-hmm. into this establishment, you know. And it doesn't. It, it's just you know, there's what we're used to, and then when something different happens, you get that. So, reaction. so I guess, yeah, I guess we've hit on kind of one of the interesting ironies is is geekdom is sort of uh, you know in the beginning, geek was that word for those people who were weird or outsiders or didn't fit in, pocket and I guess protectors. now kind of the iron right pocket protectors and, and pencils and all that kind of thing, calculators on hand at all times. But I'm just saying, like, I guess the irony is now is there's there's kind of a, once you've been immersed in that for a little bit, there's kind of a norm for geek culture too. Oh. And there are those of us that, like, if someone walked in in a business suit to one of our conventions, you're like, is he is he cosplaying Agent Coulson? What's he doing yeah. in a business suit? I immediately I don't, thought Hitman. I don't understand. Funny. Yeah, exactly. But, but again, for just for our listeners... You know, yeah. you, you guys have pretty much said this already, but, you know, if, if anyone's giving you crap for your Greek, your your geek cred, you know, or whatever, you walk into a, a comic shop, you walk into a convention, mm-hmm. you want, you know, any of that stuff, um, they're, they're the jerks. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say, I would say this, don't read into something either. Um, I think a lot of times, especially in those situations, somebody doesn't just come up to you and start giving you crap. Maybe that happens. And I'm sorry, that person was a jerk, but don't be self-conscious. Of the greatest oh, no. thing, especially about conventions and geek society in general, is that 
you you can abandon that that self consciousness, and and nine times out oh, of yeah. ten you'll be fine. And the one time you're not, it's actually the other person who you know is in the wrong. So you know, go to that convention, and, and you know, if you don't have cosplay set up or you don't think you look as geeky as the other people there, don't worry. No one's judging. Who cares? You. Yeah, I was gonna say if they are judging you, who cares? But no one's judging you. Enjoy yourself, and if you're enjoying yourself and you're enjoying the atmosphere, wherever it is. Then, then you win. That's all it's about. It's so simple, and it, it's just so. That's one of my favorite like things about, uh, especially me going to conventions. Uh, my wife is a brilliant example of this, actually, because um, I love that environment. I thought this is crazy. This is awesome. There's, you know, somebody in gladiator armor, and then a Star Trek officer, and something I don't recognize, which means it's probably Doctor Who or anime. Um, <laughs> You know, there's like all kinds of these crazy things. But the great part is, is like all of that was in the elevator with me at one time. Mm. And and nobody felt out of place. Everybody was like, hey, cool, having fun. Yeah, I'm going to go to this panel later and I'm going to talk to this person. I got tickets to an autograph for this person. So anyway, there's this huge environment. And I had just started dating my wife and she agreed to go to Dragon Con with me. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, this is either going to be the beginning of a wonderful thing or the end of something that has been wonderful up until this point. Or the end of a wonderful thing. <laughs> right. Because because I just, you know, I, I said this moment, the I was like, Bogart. what if she doesn't, right, what if she doesn't fit in? What if she doesn't find something? Um, mm. And we did. We hung out for, like, the first day of the con, and she went to a couple things that I was interested in. Um, and then I swear I didn't see her for like two days. She she, <laughs> she found she that. found the writer's track, uh, which oh. I didn't even know existed. And mm -hmm. she was talking about books and authors and vendors and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just I'm sitting still and she's running topics by me at like 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, I can't talk. I don't want to ruin it. I'll wake up and it won't be real. <laughs> You but it bring up amazing. a really it cool was... point, though, because one of, you know, we were talking about bringing new people to a con and something that I love about bringing new people to Dragon Con is they always and this is this will be, I think, my 10th year. And like mm -hmm. we still bring new people and they still find things that I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of that. That goes mm -hmm. on every year. That's been happening for 15 years. That is I didn't very know anything about to, that. That's very unique to Dragon Con, too, I think. Uh, usually would, a con. Yeah. And I, I'd still encourage people if you're if you're a new geek or want to get new into this geekdom um that go to your local cons it may be smaller it may be a little bit more focused but there you know you try it out uh panels you know where they I mean, can not just celebrity panels but panels where they discuss things uh can be really fun uh but oh, yeah, i highly Dragon... recommend any any vo uh, voiceover artist panels oh those are the oh, best oh my gosh if yes. they do voiceovers for any tv show at all go to that panel it'll be the funniest thing you go to Before we get into the specifics of everything that we love, because that's a conversation that's going to go on way too long, for the listeners, I, I want to do a kind of a section here where we do cover, you know, the categories of geekdom. And I, I, I am, for, for the sake of the podcast, for a while, I do want to assume it's kind of that sci-fi fantasy, you know, what people expect. Because um, I feel like they're going to come here and that's what they're looking for. So um, I want to do kind of an introduction just to get them past that in intimidation they might feel getting into a conversation with a bunch of geeks so to to kind of start off um what would be included in geekdom in y'all's mind meaning um actual like individual properties you've already named a bunch i mean pete just in your story there talking about you know all the different people yeah. in the elevator 
Um, but what are some of those and what are some of the categories? Like you even mentioned the books and, and all of that. Well, I think, I think anime is a big one. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like a really a big umbrella category. geekdom because there's so much anime, but they tend to all kind of stick together. Yeah. I mean, there's, because anime is, it's, it's like a genre on your Netflix, but it's really not. Anime can be all kinds of genre. It can be fantasy. It can be sci-fi. It can be both. It can right. be... Well, I mean, animation it, is the same way. Right. But I think, I guess we're focusing more on Japanese animation. Uh, yeah. That's what I, I that was just style. about to say. Define anime. Okay. Yeah. So it's stylized Japanese animation. Uh, it's usually cartoons. The genres that fall underneath animation are not, it's not all anime. It's everything i mean there are some that actually you know there is no fantasy or sci-fi there are no superpowers they're just they're usually teenagers but you know they're just characters in in you know a real world situation and you know something that could happen or you know a dramatic situation that could happen or a comedy and it just it's such a broad spectrum in and of itself uh but that that i've dipped a toe or two in it so far and i'm, I'm really enjoying it yeah, kind of a, a fun caveat to that, too. I mean, you talk about something like, uh, you know, people say sci-fi and fantasy. Well, you know, when you talk about sci-fi, well, if you're a fan of sci-fi, does that mean you're a fan of Star Wars or Star Trek or Firefly or Battlestar Marvel Galactica. or Battlestar Galactica? I or... wouldn't put Marvel under sci-fi. I mean, technically you could. The lines but... are pretty blurred between all a lot of these. And I, can, and I can kind of see that. I get where some people see sci-fi traditionally as that set in the future advanced culture kind of scenario whereas you know for someone like me i'll see something like marvel and go oh well, that is science fiction it's it's a fiction that has a couple of scientific differences from reality whether it's iron man's ability to build a repulsor based suit whether it's the mm -hmm. effect of gamma radiation on you know the Blue hulk yeah. it's that that see, is it's for these very reasons why i still don't think star wars belongs in sci-fi i think it belongs in fantasy i completely agree it's absolutely fantasy yeah, it is, and not sci-fi no i i 100% agree that in my opinion while most people are going to put Star Wars because there's spaceships. The category, Let's be honest. There's, there's spaceships. spaceships in Star Wars, so it's sci-fi. No, 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 air quotes. Yes, yeah, so are we helping fantasy. people by categorizing this then, like in this way? Because it seems like even the four of us are kind of like in different parks about things. Well, I mean, the, the, this part is just sort of a rabbit trail conversation, which I'm cool with. But right. um, what I'm what I'm hoping to get is, and the, and yeah, even this kind of helps because what I want them to have is a familiarity where. You know, they don't walk into a conversation with a bunch of geeks, um, and it can, geeks like us who have a you know wide variety of interests. And, you want and a little bit of a roadmap. A little yeah. bit. Like, like when you like, say anime and define it and kind of yeah. go, and this is what you might like about it. That's perfect because A, it gives them a route to that. You know, it gives them, oh, I might like that. But it also oh, means okay. they can walk into a conversation and go, oh, anime, that's, that's you know, Asian no, no, animation, this, right? Like, yeah, so this is by, perfect. By that, by that. I would say like fantasy is the other big one in the, the right. wheel of fandoms and fantasy definitely encompasses game of Thrones. Um, it encompasses like Harry Potter. It encompasses Lord of the Rings. Lord. Oh, I'm leaving out the biggest one. Lord yeah. of the Rings. Right. Thank you. And, and it encompasses lots of uh, novelizations that have now been, you know, kind of mainstream in the movies, into movies yeah. or TV shows. There's even more recent shows right now. Like, uh, my wife and I just watched the Shannara Chronicles, which apparently based off a series of books I've never heard of, because right. if you go to the fantasy section of any bookstore, you're going to drown. I'm, I'm actually really but, glad you brought up that particular show, because that, to me, there's like this whole subgenre of of young adult fiction 
yeah. which definitely would encompass Harry Potter. The Shannara Chronicles is written for like teenagers. Um, the like Divergent that series that's been on, like all the all these series are are like young adult series, and that's kind of got its own following now. But but I feel like Divergent doesn't fall into like a fantasy the same way that comic books don't fall into fantasy. It's almost like a contemporary alternate history thing. Ooh, alternate history. That's a fun one. Yeah, alternate like history. Steampunk, diesel is what punk. it's more commonly known um, by, but yeah, alternate history is its own yeah. its own genre. Totally. Can okay. anybody actually define steampunk? i I just know it looks cool. I mean, I know when you go to conventions, it's it's actually called alternate history because it's the, the whole idea, as you may have seen like Bioshock and other games like that, is that what if the world developed with steam power, right? Instead of the 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 energy sources that we use today. Right. And like how that would change the way the world is, not just how we use energy, but like how the world developed. Yeah, like what if they discovered electricity in the Victorian age or if they discovered yeah. magic in the Victorian age? How would history be different now? What would the dress look like? What would carry forward and what wouldn't? And what's great yeah. about all these genres we're talking about is every single one of these genres, if you pick something in fantasy, is probably going to have at least one property that worms its way into another genre, whether it's an anime that's based on swordsmen, so it falls a little bit into the fantasy category, or whether it's a science fiction show that's like Star Wars, that is this huge drama that specifically says a long time ago in a galaxy far away, which kind of means it predates everything like most fantasy does. You know, there's, there's always that fun thing where if you've got that roadmap, okay, this is the general topic, but even if you start saying, well, I really like fantasy, but even fantasy is going to have its own little roots and tendrils that can spread into every other category and kind of give you a leg into anything else, which is, I think, what makes geekdom so much fun to me. And one of the things we're not really we're saying, but we're not really specifying, is, is that all of these genres exist in multiple mediums. So, like Matt said, right. his example of steampunk was a video game, but there's steampunk elements in plenty of movies, lots of novels, oh, Miyazaki. so many yeah. books, yeah, so, so many books. That brings up a good point. I mean, and I don't, I don't want to completely stray from because. I, I want even a more extensive list of, of properties that they should explore. Nope, that's everything. That's but... all the geekdom. We've outlined all of it. <laughs> so what yeah, we'll do is we'll, we'll get a whiteboard out and we'll draw the, the lines like John Madden doing the plays in sports where it's like, all right, everybody starts lined up like this and then this connects to this and this to this and this guy runs over here, this guy goes over here, the whole thing flips upside down, you turn it inside out and then you reverse it and you're set. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly like that. Yeah. yeah that's how, that's how geekdom <laughs> relates to each other. before this podcast. <laughs> I had a lot of coffee. Okay, hold on. See, now I've I've lost my track because I'm sorry. Just, we did a segue, spinning. and then our segue Dude, guys, we should get points for that. So you you mentioned the multiple mediums aspect. Um, we're kind of approaching that from you're naming a property and then saying kind of you know it's available in a book and it's available in this whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to kind of name all the categories first. Like okay, so we have we have comic books. That was like one of the first ones to come to my mind right. science books. science fiction well no 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 not not genres not I'm genres. Talking like mediums, mediums. oh so mediums. comic books sorry my toys i even put cons on there mm-hmm. so what other mediums are they animation things in well yeah Cartoons. television well, no, no, no. Yeah. so yeah. movies novels television movies video games uh, video games, some great web, stuff in there. web series web cartoons like i don't i feel like that gets yeah. its own thing at this point because it's really not a movie or a tv show it's safe to say that any of it could exist in any existing entertainment medium i mean there can be plays 
uh, about you know different fantasies and things like yeah, that. Yeah, actually, the there's a new Harry Potter play debuting in London. Oh, that's right. Like in a month and a half. So yeah, I'd right. like yeah. to I'd like to point plays. out too there there are mediums of geekdom uh, like LARP or reenacting or the SCA that are physical mediums. You you literally insert yourself into them. So there's that aspect That's of true. it too. You participate there. LARP is live action role play for any audience member who has I'm sorry, yeah, I should people who usually dress uh, typically in like medieval type fantasy like um, outfits and use uh, weapons either foam or no. what's steel that movie that came out? Um, it, Which it, it had a LARP models. thing in it. Role models. That yeah. Role so those models. are the various categories and you yeah, you guys totally came up with a few categories that I wouldn't have really thought of. So now, if you'll go, you know, kind of one by one, because Tony's right, this is going to be a total train wreck if you do it all at once, and name some of, not even just some of your favorites, but again, some that you're just, you're bound to hear in a conversation with a bunch of geeks. Like, they're going to come up. Are we talking about like genres or specific like properties? Specific or properties. Okay. Well, Matt, why don't you start and list a couple of your properties, but then attach a genre to them, like you know. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a good. I'm gonna li- I'm gonna try and come up with like five. Does that sound like a good start? That sounds like a great okay. start. So I love to talk about uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender slash The Legend of Korra, the follow-up series, um, which kind of falls into anime. It's a little different than it's most not- anime. My, um, my husband well, I mean, would like I, seriously get onto you for that. I, I get the argument for both ways. Personally. It's American though. It's produced in America. But it's right, animated you're, by Korean anime. You're rabbit holing. You are rabbit holing. Yeah. Hey. You mean hey. rabbit trailing? Rabbit trailing? Rabbit, well, rabbit, no, down the rabbit hole. Rabbit dunking. Oh, okay. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Isn't that how okay. it goes? Anyways, it Avatar, which some people would argue is anime, but it's because definitely it's animation. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it's definitely like fantasy um mm-hmm. i would say what are some other properties i'm huge fans of i mean the like go-to for a lot of geeks is uh firefly joss whedon's firefly and the follow-up film serenity and the many comic books that came afterward um okay. that's definitely i mean that's like a sci-fi western so you know even even genres like that that don't get a lot of love in geekdom still pop up i mean mm-hmm. uh speaking of westerns uh, star trek started as um like a, a wagon train in space you know that old western tv show and it's become what it is now um big fan of star trek here uh so it's Battlestar sci-fi? galactica i'm a big fan of Battlestar galactica mm-hmm. another sci-fi um personally i haven't seen the original which which again i still feel like that makes me a real geek because i've seen all of uh ron ronald d moore's uh Battlestar galactica big fan um and then just as like a, a general genre uh, board games man I, I just really like board games i like like quick three minute board games i like three hour long six cup of coffee board games you like talking just, monopoly parcheesi like names well i mean i don't want to hate on monopoly uh although i hate monopoly for the record um but no there's so many interesting like indie board games you know everyone knows about scrabble and you know, Trouble and Monopoly and Yahtzee. And I mean, not that those aren't good games, but there's uh, there's Munchkin, there's um, Elder Sign, there's, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, but there's there's so many excellent, Tony could give me Fortune and Glory. I love Fortune and Glory, Castle Panic, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Dead Panic, all the panics. I love the whole Panic series. It's Fireside Games. I totally like to plug them because they're a great company. Um, okay. But yeah, board games. Love board games. And I think that totally falls into the, the geekdom mm-hmm. category. And again, you've got fantasy. you got like Munchkin Fantasy. Uh, you have like Space Cadets, which is definitely like a sci-fi lean. Uh, you've got Bang, which is like a Western-themed game. So you, mm. you've got subgenres within the genres, within the subgenres, within the genres. Like it's it's Inception up in here. It's crazy. Well, real and real quick before we move on to the next person, you know, you bring up tabletop and everything, which is, you know, huge in the geek community. Not always sci-fi fantasy though. Um, as far as you, you named a lot that were that definitely fit into those those realms and everything. But just because a lot of geeks like that, does that make that like, is that usurped into geekdom or is that kind I mean, of its own I, thing? That's when popular? you say geekdom with like a capital G, I don't, right. I don't know. I don't, first of all, I don't know who governs that, you know, maybe Will I Wheaton. I do right now. Maybe I'm Will we, Wheaton is we the, the like, Lord of all geekdom or uh-huh. maybe it's Patton Oswalt. Who knows? But, but I, I don't know. I think you can be a board game. They're team. on the council. And like really like board oh, games and just be hey. kind of like passingly interested in Star Trek, you know? No, I can I can totally connect it. I can I it duh, we haven't even mentioned this, which is ironic. Um D D, as far as a foundation for Come on, that was supposed gaming, to be my plug. All right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll well I'll wait on you. But okay. but that that's the connection. I'm just gonna mention that. That I, I feel like that's so many so many tabletop games now. They're they're not straight up role playing games, but they are they're based on a certain oh, element so of many of them are based on that model you're totally right about that all right who's next um so a couple of couple of um i guess my favorites i think of i guess things that i can actually get into uh physically amp guard is a larp group that does uh like combat with foam weapons it's amp guards a-m-t-g-a-r-d um, so we have a lot of our my costuming and stuff like that is based on that that universe. Uh, there's also the SCA, which is the uh, Society for Creative Anachronism, which does uh, you know kind of role playing and recreating medieval history. So I guess that falls into like a fantasy realm the same way Ampguard would. Um, I am a huge fan of tabletop gaming, um, though I dip more into the Warhammer 40k universe, which is definitely sci-fi. Warhammer 40k is a tabletop futuristic sci-fi combat game so you have armies that you you wage against each other that definitely fits into the the sci-fi realm um if we're going to talk tv shows i i'm 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 drawing a blank stargate you like stargate i love me some stargate oh my gosh and that falls right into sci-fi so well all of stargate actually the movies even the first season of sg1 all I don't 17 how, seasons of Stargate. Yes, all 17 seasons of Stargate and all four movies that, you know, span a massive block of time. But Lord of the Rings is 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 my was my my intro to geekdom. So I, I always kind of fall back into that realm. I love that fantasy universe. And Lord of the Rings falls squarely almost into what the definition of what fantasy is when you talk about there being an older, more elegant time where it's, it's swords and sorcery, uh, goblins and heroes and knights in shining armor, um, and all of that. It's, it was, that's my first love when it comes to geekdom. Tony, what have you got? Oh, wow. No, I'm, I'm going to try and, and touch on things that maybe haven't been mentioned as, as much, uh, just as far, and maybe with people looking to, to try new things. 
uh, we, we talk about anime, you know, Eastern animation. Um, and I feel like I've been really investigating a lot of that and it's very easy to find now with Netflix. So yeah, I like, I, I like to define different things. The genres vary. Uh, what I always find interesting are the ones that ironically as fantastical as the worlds are that they're in are somehow become relatable. Uh, one of my favorites is called Sword Art Online. And it's about, uh, it's set, I guess, slightly in the future where uh, about video gamers and video games are no longer controllers. They're like an entire VR, which is virtual reality. Like you, you put a helmet on, you lie down and you're in another world. And we're actually getting closer and closer to that technologically. But this is, this is like the nth degree, the advanced degree and the newest game comes out. And I remember especially, you know, like always kind of getting psyched about video games and things like that. And this, this new game comes out and in the very beginning, you know, your main character and a few other characters he meets find out that they can't log out of the game. And the big trick is, is that if, if they die in the game, because of the way this virtual reality works, they die in real life. So now everything you do suddenly matters. And, you know, the next thing I talk about I like is I like video games. And I definitely consider that a geek culture, uh, whether you're talking on... Um, on the computer or on the consoles, like the PlayStations and the Xboxes and whatnot. Um, there, are, there are many games out there that are played with other actual players. Video games can also be made like uh, single player games that have excellent narratives. Um, some that like my wife will sit down and watch me play uh, specifically because... Great story. Yeah, like like a, The Last of Us. Yeah, the Last of Us is uh, a game that came out recently. It's actually a horror game. I'm not a big zombie person as far as zombie movies go. You know, horror movies bore me. This game is amazing. It's not just scary. I mean, it definitely has parts that freak you out, but there are characters in it that are actually characters you care about and, you know, you get emotional about. And in a video game, that's not always common, but when it is, it's beautiful. The, other, the, the last one I'll, I'll talk about, because I don't think we touch on it too much, is comic books and just that kind of like graphic novels in general. Um, there, there are, yeah, there are comic book movies, which are great. If, if you follow, I think it's really easy right now with the Marvel Universe to follow the movies, because they're telling a... I, I think you can geek out about that specifically, just because they're creating those characters in a certain way that if you watched each one, you're following these characters from like, you know, Iron Man to Thor to Captain America to the Avengers to the next Avengers to the next whatever. And everything kind of ties in. And if you just go see it in the theater, like you're connected to that. You're following that. That's that's fun. But you're invested in the characters. Yeah. If you ever like like the reason I, I say and this is why sometimes like comic book fans will get so up in arms about like a movie not being right. The problem is or the point is, is that in a movie. A character is one way, but in comic books, because it's just always going and always constant, you can get really close to a character. It, it's an ongoing story. They become really relatable. I follow specifically, and you know, he's, he, he's not unheard of, uh, Spider-Man. But Spider-Man in the comic books, I mean, even reading it back when it first came out in the 60s, because now thanks to online subscriptions, I can just pull that up on my iPad. And I'm reading this, I'm like... This stuff is relatable. I mean, one of the things that made Spider-Man relatable to the world when he came out is he was one of the first superheroes that couldn't pay rent every week. And that was like, you know, his his problem versus Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark and, you know, Clark Kent even. It, they, they weren't really worried about that. That wasn't a problem. So he became a real relatable character. Uh, characters I started relating to, like nowadays, I like uh, Dick Grayson, who's now 
or was Nightwing. He was the first Robin. A lot of people don't know that Robin stopped being Robin and there were other Robins, but you know, he was the first Robin. He decided he wanted to go solo. He became Nightwing and now he's uh, without, now he's sort of doing something else after that, but you keep following that and you see like the growth of a character who maybe doesn't age like I age, but he definitely matures and arcs and changes and you get to keep up with that. And that's, that's like the interest of comic books. If, if you don't want to do that, like attached to a character or follow a series, I'd say graphic novels, which are usually kind of like one-off stories. It's basically a novel in comic book form. And so they're just, they're really great stories. And the images just bring to life instead of take away from the narrative. And that's definitely something, and I would say to access that, if you really wanted to like get into any of that, find your local comic book store and just start telling the owner what you're interested in. Um, I, if you, I can't think of a comic book store where the owner doesn't want to talk about comic books. You don't, you don't own a yeah, comic book store to make lots there. of money and become a you know, bajillionaire. You own a comic book store because you want to talk about comic books and you want to help people find what it is they love. And so, so easy to get into. A through line that I'm kind of sensing here from from all you guys is the the sense of storytelling uh, that that that's really a lot of what people geek out about um, even even if they're geeking out about the specifics of say sci-fi you know getting into those potential sciences and where they're going and and all of that kind of projection um, a lot of that tells a story and and to me as a writer sci-fi fantasy is that place where and you guys keep saying it over and over where you explore very relatable topics um, without constantly having to be in this world <laughs> in in everyday life that you're used to and everything at like I don't I don't particularly want to watch a movie or read a book or anything else that feels like the rest of my day. Um, I can right. just continue on. A lot of geekdom that. is escapism. Yes. Sci-fi is definitely escapism. Uh, and it's sci-fi has always been a great place to discuss and deal with very real topics that exist in our daily lives. But in, in this like fantastical environment with aliens and spaceships, you know, I mean, in fantasy is the exact same way you can, you can deal with, like social concepts and problems with, you know, dwarves and elves without it feeling too close to home. One of the best uh, that I think of is the original Star Trek series had uh, the Enterprise go to a planet where there were these two groups of people, uh, these two races of people. And the first race, the left side of their body was all black, like, like stark black, like, and then the other side was all like stark white. And then the other race was the opposite. Their left side was all white and the right side was all black. And these two races hated each other to the point of near war. And the Enterprise was trying to, you know, with the Federation, facilitate a peace between them. And, and everybody on the ship just could not understand why they hated each other because they were so close to identical. But it, when one of the other two races heard that, they got so offended. And it just dealt with a prejudice and a racism. And it puts you, the viewer, in an objective point of view. Because, right, first of yeah. all... You know, our, it is absurd. It's so absurd what they're fighting about. It's supposed to be because it's supposed to be make you feel objective about an issue that, you know, especially for its time where race was seriously a hot topic, 
you you're yes. already so upset about it. You're already so one sided that you can't even step back and see how absurd it is. It was so well done that they did it again in the next generation. They the the other Enterprise saw that it, those people again, and even Riker, who is the second in command, makes a, a, a kind of an off comment like he can't tell the difference, and they still get offended. I mean, just to point out like even in the next generation, this sort of stuff is still going on and they're still upset about it and it still seems so ridiculous. But when you step out of that and look at what it's saying and then you apply that to yourself, it's like, or, or to our society, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I do think in in the, the capital G geekdom, sci-fi has always been kind of the forerunner of that. Yeah. Um, I, and I think a lot of that is because fantasy, like Pete said earlier, tends to be grounded in like the past versus sci-fi has a has a knack for being the near or distant future and it also tends toward well at least star trek did towards the the utopic future i think nowadays most sci-fi is dystopic and that's actually a problem because we don't get any utopic sci-fi anymore mm -hmm. well and we, we are living in a more cynical time right now i think our the, the, the generations right now have become more cynical and thus it's more relatable. So that's why that kind of sci-fi is being made because you Thank want you, to be Ray. able to relate to it. And we, we just don't see a, we don't see a world where we hit a utopia. That's just kind of maybe what society, what that says about society is that right now we don't. Maybe, but one could also that. argue that, that our media, our, our fiction is what drives that mentality as well. Like were we to produce and make more utopic fiction, would that help to alter the mindset of people? Would we would we start to see that as a possibility? You could take it further and say, were the news to report more than just tragedy, would we suddenly yeah. feel like that the world isn't just a scary place out there? Yeah, it's. <laughs> but you're right. Sci-fi is a great venue for that. Even just how it's being created, just not what's being created. I want to go back to what you were saying earlier, Jess, about um, storytelling, and I do think storytelling is this is is that 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 solid foundation that so much of geekdom is based on oh my um, gosh yes in so many of these different mediums and types you know we've got uh stories that come back to me as fables um you know when you talk about going like way back aesop's fables um were stories told in greek times that had a moral and they were always short stories brief lessons but they conveyed a moral the same way you talk about that one episode of star trek conveying a moral um, in a way that, you know, you almost couldn't do if you took two races, you know, in the United States and compared them side by side or something like that. That it right, would it rings be too real, offensive. and people's yeah. own pre like existing prejudices get in the way of them seeing the message. Exactly, mm -hmm. but that's where I love so much of sci-fi, and that's kind of where I bounce back and forth between sci-fi. Sci-fi, I feel like, in general it tends to st to tell a broader story. Um, it tends to do uh, more relation or more of a cultural reference, uh, more of a, a societal reference. We talk about the utopian and dystopian societies. Whereas I, you know, my personal love of fantasy takes me back to um, fantasy books tell so many or fantasy side or you know, fantasy geekdom tells so many personal stories. And it is, in my opinion, it's less the moral uh, behind the story and, and you get so much personal triumph out of a lot of those stories whether it's your hero succeeding against you know a vast horde of enemies or something like that whereas in sci-fi you tend to have a lot grander victories you know an entire society rising above or coming together so i guess at least that's me personally where i relate to them 
I think yeah. you hit on something great when you talk about Aesop's fables, because stories back in the day, uh, back in you know times back then, were used to educate. Uh, because not everybody, you know, was reading and going to school. They had to, you know, get up in the morning and milk the cow. And, but, you know, you could tell stories at night. You could tell stories, you know, you know, just in passing, new people, new stories. And there was, there was an education behind it. I mean, even, even in religions, parables are used to, you know, help, help someone connect with the higher being. Well, and I mean, that's, that for me is, is geekdom. Geekdom is like the, Geekdom is that that ultimate. It's, it's the ultimate storytelling universe. Whether you're doing fantasy or sci-fi, or whether you're in a D and D game and the story you're telling is your character, whether you're you know whether you're at an SCA tournament and it's the tournament for who becomes king next, and you are physically fighting out for something. So I mean, there's you know, there's so many parts of of geekdom that for me are they're rooted so deeply in storytelling. And I think that ultimately for somebody new in geekdom, that's what makes it so relatable. It's like you find that one person who likes the same thing as you, even a little bit. And three hours later, you're like, dude, we got to get some food if we're going to keep talking because I'm hungry mm-hmm. because you're Rest busy sharing the door. Right. You're busy sharing those stories mm-hmm. that you get from, you know, one environment or another one fandom or another. How did you, relate to firefly did you like star trek or star wars it's cascade effect you bring up an interesting point there too though that you know we talk about storytelling but i i would say this may not be as true anymore but at one point geeks were seen as these loners who you know often actually alone like by themselves um in their basement or whatever there are those jokes made all the time and yet you know everything that we're talking about is very communal. Well, that's 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 because that's because the the perception used to be that that person was alone. That's just because they didn't see geeks in large groups. And, yet. and technology <laughs> has made this easier, though. Um, going back just to what you're saying, like I, I feel like I'm being like my family being slow adapters to technology. I spent a lot of my childhood kind of like the things I liked, even in high school. Uh, I felt like I was the only one, or I knew one other person, and we were it. I mean, one example... I knew you in high school. Yeah, you knew me in <laughs> high school, but but one of the things I watched, and I was like myself and my cousin, and that was it, was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And come to find out, that thing had, like, like internet chat rooms before, like, internet chat rooms were even really a thing, and I didn't... I wouldn't have known what that is. I didn't even have a computer in my house. And... I remember in high school when you found out other people watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, that was a great thing. No, 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 that's not what happened. What happened was they acted like they just discovered it. I saw it when I was eight because I have awesome parents. Right? Thank you. (laughs) And grandparents. (laughs) But they were acting like it was the new hip thing. And I'm like, new hip thing? No, no, no. That was just me being elitist. But but no, seriously, I think technology now makes it a lot easier to reach out. So this this social thing, it's always been social or it always would be social, but it was always dependent on cons. And, mm. you know, or having a neighborhood of people into it at the same time. And now that technology has made it easier, it's just gotten bigger. And I think that's why it's become mainstream instead of being against mainstream is because there's a lot of us. We're just not all right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there's, you know, you want to talk about that. I mean, you, you want to make something mainstream, make it public. I mean, here's the thing. D&D is a game. It is, is inherently a communal game. You can't play it by yourself. D&D requires multiple people. You've got to have somebody running the game and you've got to have players involved in it. 
it's inherently not something you can do alone in your basement. Since its very beginning, it's been about getting people together and telling stories together. And I think what's amusing to me is I think the difference between something like D&D being mainstream and being, oh my gosh, it's a bunch of weird basement dwellers, is there are tennis courts at public parks. There are not D&D tables. And I, for one, see that as a terrible shame. <laughs> are you well, kidding? Well, you want to play a tabletop game outside with wind? Yeah. That sounds that terrible. Saying, but, but I have a question for you guys, because something else I feel like, and I don't know if this is just my own maturity or the maturity of you know, society in general, but I feel like originally, yeah, you talk about, we talk about this being a community thing, but it would be like five or six guys in a basement playing a game at a table. And they were, even though they were a group, they were still ostracized. So the question is, is do we now just not care? Like used to be, there was like, I don't know. You see TV movies talk about like, you know, how your popularity is really important. But, you know, for me halfway through, even at the start of high school, I never cared. And it never really bothered me, and I did a lot of this. St- I did a lot of the stuff that I was into, and I don't think I'm unique in that at all. So that's what I'm saying is, it's like, when did that shift happen, and what caused that? I know exactly it when happen? it happened. When we figured out, when we learned that Vin Diesel taught Judy Dench how to play Dungeons and Dragons, it suddenly didn't matter anymore. <laughs> Thank God for the sequel to Pitch Black. At least it did something. Yeah, right? it it normalized D and D. We're all good now, guys. I love Congratulations. it. Congratulations. I love it. Well, okay, so all amazing stuff about geekdom, and honestly, I mean, I know this is supposed to be for for new people, and hopefully it's interesting to new people, but it's interesting to me too, because I think it's kind of, even in just having this conversation with you guys, kind of distilling, you know, some of these ideas about geekdom and what is what is it, and all that, I, I, I'm appreciating the conversation. Um, if you, I, I want, and it's going to be tremendously hard, don't cry about it. Phrasing. I don't want. I don't want to hear it. I'm already crying. I want one property specifically, like one property, not world what? or any of that. One property that, because again, we're talking to newbies. We may have lost sight of that a little bit, but we're talking about some newbies here. One property that you say absolutely go out, watch this, read this, pick it up, whatever today. Dibs on Lord of the Rings. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take what I feel is the most obvious one, but Firefly. I know we've mentioned it several times in this podcast. Okay, but I think podcast. I think Firefly is a really good starter geekdom because it's short. You know, I think it's a is it eleven or twelve episodes? I can't remember. They didn't finish their first 13. season. It got canceled. Different mm-hmm. story, different time. But it's really short. And then there's this beautiful, really well made feature film that was made a few years later to kind of cap it off. So it's, 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 it's digestible, you know? And what I also like about it is like, while it is a sci-fi, it's also a little bit of a Western, but more importantly, it's just some really good, well-written characters. So I think even if you're not into like spaceships and lasers or horses for that matter, you can't, you can't not just love the way these characters are written. And it's really, it's a really good entry into geekdom, I think. Okay. And uh, the Lord of the Rings for a lot of the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it was kind of, it sets the bar. There are so many things that if you've read the Lord of the Rings, you can read other fantasy novels afterwards and you have kind of a basis in mind for what people are talking about. 
Um, it's very digestible. It's not a massive series of books that went on for years and years and years and volume and volume and volume. It really is, in its essence, it's, it's one concise story. Um, it is split into three novels, um, but it has a definite beginning, middle, and end. Um, and it's very digestible for people who are not necessarily into readings. It's one of those few, um, few stories that had a very good film adaptation as well. Um, so however you want to get involved in the, uh, however you want to get in involved in the geek fandom, I feel like that's a, you know, if you're going to go fantasy, go that direction with it. Start with that story. I'd say read okay. The Hobbit, watch The Lord of the Rings. Yes, would, read The Hobbit, watch The Lord of the Rings. I would concur with that. 100%. Nice. Very the nice. Lord of the Rings are good books. Don't get me wrong. They're just, they're, they're a little hard to read. They're a little hard to read if you're not like an avid reader. Tony? Um... Okay, so something to go out and see. I'm thinking, I would like to say, and you tell me if this is too broad, um, and I, I can list some examples. Uh, movie Films made by Studio Ghibli, uh, specifically directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. Uh, I would count that as anime, but they are, first of all, they're stories that, yes, they're technically targeted for children, but like so many things these days, there's something that they hold. Right? No. Okay, true. Uh, the whole Most family can get into. Uh, so yeah, one not targeted for children, but is amazing is Princess Mononoke. It'll yes, so yes, be a bit so bloody. Um, one that actually I think got the award for what didn't it get the Oscar for best picture animated picture was uh, Spirited Away. Yes, mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite is Castle in the Sky. Uh, another great one is Howl's Moving Castle. It really keeps going. So I would say. And we may have to put a link for it somewhere because I can't spell mm -hmm. any of it. Studio Ghibli, uh, and specifically the ones uh, directed uh, by Hayao Miyazaki, are the ones that really reach you. They are so imaginative, and the imagination yeah. that, that that studio has and what they what they create and the animation is beautiful. I would say if you're going to go out and find something, uh, do that, and and you'll see certain characters uh, in, in cons and things like that, and in stuffed animal form all over the place, uh, all of a sudden you'll recognize what it is and go, hey, I know that. Yep. Yep. What's great to mention for anybody getting new into any kind of geekdom, whether it is Star Wars or Farscape or Firefly or whatever the case may be, is keep in mind, too, that most of these shows, um, or especially when you come to television, most of them start relatively low production because there are so many studios that are scared to make sci-fi so they'll invest as little as possible until one season gets a good return well and on that um, same note they start off they feel kind of slow in the beginning i think because they have to do a lot of world building that other tv shows don't have to do because they take place in the real world that you and i live in right now but these shows that take place in the distant future in another galaxy or in a completely fictional time period in a fictional world, they have to do more world building. So sometimes you have to give them a few more episodes than you would a regular TV show to kind of invest. And new geeks may not want to put that effort in right away. So I think the things we listed are great for people new wanting to explore the geek world. They're going to, and I also think it's important that if you're starting out, you look at stuff that's more current. All right, so to wrap up a little here, the geeks as we define them, people who are obsessed over anything, but right now we're keeping it to kind of sci-fi fantasy realms for our geekdom. Um, you don't have to be worried about your geek cred 
because the geek community is actually very welcoming. Most people are. In if general. they're not, they're being jerks. Yes. Um, Geeky jerks. So, and, and it's okay. You can say that because we said it. The various categories we came up with a little bit. Anime. Um, what, did, what was the historical... Alternate history. Alternate, history. alternate history. Alternate history. Sometimes referred to as fantasy. steampunk. Well, it's not only steampunk, though. So I like alternate right, history. Right, but, like but a lot of Let, people use alternate history and steampunk interchangeably. And steampunk's a very oh. popular term you'll hear a lot of. Yeah. True enough. Good, good True for enough. newbies. Good for newbies. And a few things to try out. Um, Firefly Serenity. Uh, the Lord of the Rings novels, but start with The Hobbit. What do we say? Read The Hobbit, watch the Lord of the Rings yeah, movies? read The yes. Hobbit, watch the Lord of the Rings. There you go. And Miyazaki films, um, which I'm 100% behind. And we will absolutely do an animation podcast because I'm married to an animator. So that's got to happen. So there you go, newbies. A flood of information uh, to hopefully get you in the gates of geekdom. Right. And Tony, one tiny plug, because I feel like if we didn't mention this, we'd be ashamed. For anybody new, if you want something uh, anime-ish that was easy for me to get into... Cowboy Bebop is yep. a great example of something that is animated, but not necessarily kid related and very accessible. If you're starting out, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I got to stop. Yeah, we I'm gotta, sorry. See, I told you. Mm. I'm Wait, done. I'm one, not going to talk anymore each. unless you ask me a question. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining me. <laughs> and getting this is the into quietest this stuff has ever been for the two seconds so far. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining me and sharing your geekdom. Thanks, Jess. This is fun. Yes. Can somebody ask me a question so I can say goodbye? Can you say goodbye, please? <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> goodbye, please. <laughs>